zero to $2,500, the financial cost of adopting each child through the foster care system. I'm your host, Marcy Bursack, and I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to find more forever families. In fact, one for each child waiting in the foster care system. After blogging my journey, adopting a pair of siblings, I realized that I knew countless people who had a desire to adopt, but believed it was too expensive. So I wrote a book for adults, The Forgotten Adoption Option. I wrote a book for children, Are You a Forever Family? And I started this podcast. I am so delighted that you are tuning in. In season two, I'm dropping monthly episodes to teach you how to adopt those U.S. children who are waiting for you in the foster care system. You might also enjoy the personal stories of adoptive parents and adopted children that I featured in season one. Now, whether right now feels like the right time, the process feels overwhelming, or someone quickly comes to mind to share this with, I am here for you. I am America's foster care adoption mentor, and I'm eager to help you fulfill a child's dream of having their forever family. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. In this episode, you'll learn how to see professional photographs and bios of children waiting to be adopted through foster care so that you can consider adopting these children and also share this resource with those you know who are interested in adoption. I am joined today by Matthew Streb, who co-founded the Heart Gallery of America. Matthew has a day job and runs Heart Gallery of America as a passion project. I'll let you tell him more about that here soon. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Marcy. It's great to be here. So excited to have you. Matthew and I got connected through one of my previous podcast guests, Sherry Hersey. And listeners, you might recall Sherry. She's the creator, co-writer, and star of the movie Lily's Light. And Sherry's friend, Diane Granito, and Matthew actually co-founded the Heart Gallery of America. So it's like this incredible web of people wanting to help waiting children, which is awesome. Matthew, why don't we start off with what is the Heart Gallery of America and what led you to co-found this project? Right. So we, um, the Heart Gallery is a platform to allow children to advocate on their own behalf through professional pictures, photographs uh, that are that are taken. You know, basically, we employ volunteer photographers, and these are photographers that are curated. So we don't just take anyone; they have to actually be making um, a living doing photography. And what what happens is we organize a, a meetup between the foster child, the child that's up for adoption, and the photographer. And what we found out is that the photographer, through a you know quick interview and through um, a location you know a location that meets the personality of the child, they are actually able to capture the character and spirit of the child through a photograph, and then we put that with a bio, a, a, an honest bio, and then we display those in a public space. So it used to be we would do like hard displays, but now we do a lot of it through digital you know, whether it's Facebook or website, Instagram, you know, all the different, different platforms. And we found that the child is the best advocate for themselves. And by doing that, we've, we've seen an increase of about 25% in adoption rates across the country where a heart gallery exists. And these are the children, you know, the heart gallery focuses on those children that have, that have, that have, um, 
are more difficult. Maybe they're older. They're part of a sibling group uh, or a sibling group. They may have a behavioral issue, a medical issue. You know, these are the children that, um, like you said in your in your organization, the forgotten children. I hate to use that word, but so that that's what makes it so miraculous is that we're actually getting children that uh, you know been, have been in the system for a while or languished, and we're able to help them, and they're able to help themselves. So that's the heart gallery, and then I got involved. Um, I was actually part of. A, uh, well, I, I even go back to maybe 25, 30 years. My wife and I were having some difficulties uh, conceiving our second child. And we looked at adoption as, a, as an option. And we went in, went down the path. And it was so under complicated. And, um, you know, we looked at the pictures. They were like little black and white, you know, snapshots, like passport photos. And it was just so underwhelming. We, we kind of... Uh, Put, put that to the side, to be honest. And then ultimately God blessed us with the second child naturally. But I put that in my, you know, I, I put that experience in my uh, memory and then I'm in the media entertainment broadcast business. So uh, I understand the power of an image. And uh, so combining those two things together and then uh, being part of a church uh, mission group, uh, we had a, I was, part of a special projects group but we had no project at the time i was involved in color correction which is really focusing on image so anyway so i was part of this church group we were in the special projects of a special project we had no project and i was flying back and forth at the time on on an airplane flight and i saw an abc 2020 segment this is you know 15 20 years ago and i saw diane granito talking about the heart gallery and that combined with my experience with adoption and then the, knowing that the power of an image could work, I called Diane and I said, Diane, I'd like to start the heart gallery in South Florida, Broward County. And I asked her, what do I need to do that? And she said, I'll help you, but you need money, 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 money is what she told me. So it was funding, you know, so it was, and also we, so I, I went down and started this journey with Diane at the time. There were a couple of heart galleries around the country and so uh, Broward County, you know, Heart Gallery is still going strong. Um, and, um, you know, 15 years later, which, which is something I'm excited about. And in the meantime, Diane and I co-founded the Heart Gallery of America. And today there's about 80 plus Heart Galleries around the country. It ebbs and flows. Uh, and you and the U.S. and Canada. Canada has seven Heart Galleries, which is pretty cool. Wow. And it affects, we affect, the heart galleries affect about seven or 8,000 adoptions a year. Uh, you know, we employ uh, anywhere from five to 6,000 volunteer photographers across the country and probably 20,000 volunteers participate in some form or fashion. So it's exciting. Yeah. It is so exciting. Well, and to just repeat what you said, there's a 25% increase as a result of this, which is incredible. Right. And there's 80 around, but I'm wondering you helped start the one for your local area and you mentioned there was a shift. There was a shift of like, it used to be, cause I think I even saw one once at some church event where it was like a display of kids and pictures and it was kids that were waiting to be adopted. And you guys have kind of digitized that or, or gone more 
electronic. So if there's someone listening right now that's like, I don't think my community has this, I want to get started. Is, is your first answer still funding, 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 or is it shifted a little bit because of the virtual age we're in? Yeah, well, we have a, we have a path now where the Heart Gallery of America will actually work with them to piggyback our 501c3 combined with our web platform. So you don't really need anything to get started. Um, we have all the legal documents. We basically uh, allocate heart gallery. We own the trademark and everything because some people 10 plus years ago, some people were using it for their personal advantage. So we had to go trademark it and all that good stuff. So we did all of that. So all they need to do is contact me directly and we will work with them to get them set up. Like you said, it's not as intensive financially as it was before. And the, what they have to do is establish a relationship with their local child welfare office and also start recruiting uh, photographers. So if they do those two things, then we can make the rest happen. The, wow. only ca- the only caveat is that if there's already a heart gallery in their area ge- geographically, then we, we, would, we wouldn't be able to do it because we try to only have one heart gallery in each area because the child welfare agency doesn't want competing interests on the heart. Right. Right. But in case there already is one, someone could start. Yeah. Well, if there already is one, then I can put them in touch with that heart gallery. That's great. Yeah. Incredible. Some of the listeners see this on social and there's like a blurb. Well, I'll put your contact information, but people that are only hearing this, how do they contact you? They can contact me at info at heartgallerysarasota.org. Easy. Easy. Info at heartgallerysarasota.org. This is incredible yeah. stuff. So so then, Matthew, what quality... Or they can call me, too. That's fine. It's, and I'll oh. give you my number. That's 954-850-6606. And they can probably text that number, too, right? They're correct. Yeah. Look at you. Very accessible. There you go. Yes. Contact Matthew. I hope your phone blows up as a result of this. Wouldn't <laughs> me, that too. Be amazing. So I'm curious, what qualifies, then, a child or sibling group to be included in the Heart Gallery of America? Well, so the local, so it's really the heart galleries that are local because it's the child welfare agencies that are the guardians of those children. So they they have a case manager that's assigned to that child. So that's the that's the path you have to work through. Um, but basically, uh, a child, and if you think about it, a child is really they have it's, they just de- they agree and they decide that they want to be in the heart gallery. And think about it from a child's perspective; they're really taking a risk. Uh, because their their picture they're gonna picture's gonna be out there. Um, we've seen many many cases where um, other classmates find out about it. They make fun of them. There's you know there's a there's a it's not a big downside, but you know these kids really want to be adopted. I guess is they're willing to, they're willing to put their name and their face out there, and I think they're taking the risk. Um, it doesn't happen that often, but I mean it it is a risk. You know, especially teenagers. Uh, you know, they're sensitive to their. Um, uh, all those different, you know, teenage things, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, so they, they, but basically, no, they all agree to be in the heart gallery. So they want to be adopted, you know, and, and, and they're, they're willing to take, take that risk and put themselves out there so that they could be adopted. So the path that got them there was, this is a child or sibling group that went into foster care they tried to reunify that didn't work so therefore now the children legally are available for adoption and so it's among those kids that can select or choose if their local area has one which is why when you wear heart galleries uh and they can choose to be included to to have that help to find a forever family correct i mean think about it i mean if you're only 
relying on your local agency to be adopted and not that many, you know, that means that the family has to be proactive to come into the welfare agency ecosystem and then start looking through their uh, library of children available. This is a whole different approach. We're pushing these kids out into the, to the world because not we're you know, we're, these children are all available on the Heart Gallery of America. They're available through, uh, you know, Facebook, all the different um, Instagram, those websites. And generally when, you know, as Marcy, you know, you, you adopted some children, you know that you're out once you make that decision. You mean you're on a quest to search to find all the different kids that are available that might fit into your family dynamic. So exactly. why wouldn't you want to, you know, why wouldn't you want to be, have more opportunity by being out there. Right. So that's because nowadays, you know, we, adoptions happen across County and state lines all the time. That's not, that's not an impediment anymore. I love that you pointed that out. Cause there's a family uh, that I've been mentoring privately. Cause this is such a private kind of process that people don't like telling the world, Hey, I'm doing this until they know for sure what they're doing. Right. And they recently just asked me about that. Um, cause they are in Missouri and we're looking at Arkansas. And so there were some questions, but you're right. Like that interstate, adoption with kids in foster care can be more common today than it was a while back. So in terms of how listeners can help the children that are included in the Heart Gallery of America, you, you already told us about they can actually start their own Heart Gallery. They can also, if they're feeling called to adopt, like they can go online and look at these profiles of children and then go through the process to get licensed and actually adopt them, right? Correct. And then what, what other things can they do to help the kids? Well, uh, you know, as our like, I, I'm the president of the Heart Gallery of Sarasota, so we do a couple of other things that we think are important. One is, most people don't know this, but when you when a child is removed from their home, uh, you know, they're brought, they're given a trash bag, basically. I mean, and so what we've been, what we've done is we've found a way to engage our faith based community to do luggage drives. So what we do is we actually go into the churches and and temples and and we um, engage you know engage the the church and then they they set up these luggage drives and it's a great way for us to socialize with faith based community that number one you're providing a piece of luggage that and then there's stuff that goes inside the luggage and that's a whole other thing but um, then the the removal officers are given this luggage. So when they go remove the child, they're actually given a piece of luggage and some, they can put their stuff in when they're, cause they may not come back. They don't know. Right. And I love the dignity in that Matthew. Exactly. I remember, and my kids and I've actually recently talked about this because they did come to us with giant black trash bags and they were so right. young that like, they don't even recall that part of the journey, but the dignity that you get when you're, you're, you said you were removed, but we know when a child, service agency person goes and takes a child or a sibling group from the biological family, you know, they're, they're trying to take the child with some things. Right. And, and it seems fast to use a trash bag with the dignity and the value and the respect that it shows to the child and the children to have a suitcase. Like that's a whole different level of like, this is planned. And I almost, I feel like it, it, it even breeds a sense of like, it's going to be safe because right. you know, you're, you're packing your things to go somewhere. Well, not to mention inside of there, we usually have a note, a prayer that's from, from one of the luggage people, the church. There's a stuffed animal, depending on the age of the child, there's a mm -hmm. pillow. You know, there's stuff inside of there that's going to make them more comfortable. I mean, and this may be, this is their piece. This is their luggage. This is theirs. They own it. So 
it's not, you know, it's not temporary. They get that, they get that and they get, they're going to keep that through their journey. So, but the most important part of it, actually, that's one part, but inside of the church community, the faith-based community as part of this luggage drive. We're engaging with typically with their youth programs, with their missions committees, with the church congregation altogether. Um, and we're basically able to work with the, with the um, pastors to educate the congregation about foster care and adoption. And it, it really has opened us up to a whole new world of, of uh, potential volunteers, potential foster parents, potential adoptive parents. And, and we found over the years that about 70 plus percent of the adoptive parents come from the faith-based community. So that, this, is, this is a critical component. The other thing we've done is we've also uh, taken notice of those that age out. We're not always, a lot of, we're not always successful in getting uh, children adopted. So we actually have like a little graduation party for them. We celebrate the fact that they've, that they've moving, moving out of the foster care system and into the independent living. And we try to make them feel good that people do actually care about them and that there's this, that, that there's people that are, you know, that, a lot of these kids don't think about it. A lot of them don't ever have birthday parties. They don't ever have, there's no parent there or family there to celebrate the fact that they've graduated from high school. And so this is another thing that we've done with the aging out group when we're not successful in getting them adopted. So that's so beautiful. And I also, what I think is so neat about your story, Matthew, is the beauty of you, you, you kind of looked into the world of adoption, foster care adoption. And then that wasn't the path for you to take as a family, but you, you said earlier, what was it? Six to 7,000 kids a year are adopted. Well, that's through the heart gallery, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Annually there's more, you know, there's a lot more that are adopted every year. So. Right. But yeah. Matthew, like the way that, you know, you could have maybe adopted, I don't know, you know, a group of kids, right? right. Which is very admirable. I've done that. Right. Like it's, 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 it's very helpful and, and kids benefit so richly, but for the way that you've taken your passion and not just said, well, that was kind of a season of my life, but you've really devoted time, energy, creativity, strategy, and and the just scaled effort of how many kids have been helped is so amazing, Matthew. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, the reason I'm so engaged is because this works. It really works. So, Yeah, well, we need someone to do the yeah. work. So I'm grateful right. that you, you are. You. And it's cool, too, because I, I want to point out for listeners, because I know some people listening are like, well... Um, you know, I, I know someone that has adopted through foster care or I, someone's in mind that I'm going to share this with. And I, I really appreciate those listeners who are, are passing things around. And some people are listening and thinking, this is not for me. I'm just curious. And it's encouraging for Matthew, for you to share your story that it's like, it, it's not for you. And that's okay. I have a person on my board, same thing. And it's like, you can still make an incredible impact for children in foster care by, by getting involved in a way that does make sense for you. So I really, I love the angle of your story and that you've shared that so candidly. And so as you kind of talked through, you know, countless kids have been adopted um, and you've been responsible for connecting so many children with their forever family. Do you have a story in mind that you could share with us about a child that was, or even a sibling group that was waiting to be adopted and kind of how the heart gallery played a role in that in them finding their forever family? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of them that stick in mind. First of all, um, yeah, Audrey, she was the first girl. She had this, it was just a beautiful picture. Um, and she was the first girl uh, that was adopted 
through the heart gallery that I was involved with. So that was a huge, that was a huge, uh, impact had a huge impact on me. How old was she? She was, uh, 13 and she actually, yeah, she actually went up to a family in New York. And then the other one was, um, there was a young boy that was, uh, disabled. He was non-communicative and, um, and he was adopted. It was amazing. Yeah. So someone that had the skill set, the nursing skill set, um, was able to, uh, you know, took that on as a, as a, as a, uh, giving back. She had the capability and the knowledge base and she ended up adopting this little boy. It was amazing. It was a really amazing story. How old was he? Um, he was, uh, he was eight or nine years old. You know, he was, so yeah, yeah. It, so any, it, you know, it just showed to me that it proved to me that any any child is adoptable, yes. uh, no matter what their circumstances. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things that we have to be a little bit careful about is that the pictures are so beautiful and cute that we try not to over. Um, they can they can act. You know, the, we have to be really honest in the bio about what the, the child is and parent is is getting. Um, so that there's not a disruption. So we, uh, you know, we just have to be really careful about that. We're really sensitive to that. We don't want families to think they're getting something that's, that's not, you know, not what they're getting. So, yeah, the candid marketing of this is, you know, this beautiful child and here are their needs. Right. And this is, this is the kind of parent or family that they, they need to be with. So I think that's so smart. Um, so cool. So, and I love, because how old was the, the boy that you mentioned? He was eight or nine years old. Yeah, it was really a miracle. I mean, I never, you know, we just don't. And, and the fact that we, you know, the photographer, you know, took the pictures and we placed them up on the. And I mean, I mean, a lot of a lot of the children have medical uh, situations that are, uh, you know, really challenging. Um, but to someone that I remember talking to that adoptive mother and I said, you know, what prompted you? And she goes, well, I have this gift. I'm, I know how to take care of of uh, children that are disabled and non-communicative and you know it's it's very uh um rewarding for me so mm. wow it is man you're, you're bringing to mind a former uh podcast guest pam she also is a nurse and her and her husband adopted a sibling group and it, it, it's beautiful because nurses have such a special way to care for others and to help them heal and to help them become stable so that's just that's a cool story it's beautiful. Yeah, I think one thing, another thing I wanted to mention real quick is on the with the heart gallery because what happens is we'll put up a, a picture of a you know really cute kid. Um, we'll get off you know two hundred inquiries. So the question is, you know, only one family is going to adopt that child. Well, up to up to now, those hundred other the other hundred ninety inquiries have more or less been discarded. What we do is, you know, we we look at that differently. Those are one hundred ninety nine inquiries of of interested parents that we can then you yes. know piv pivot to other kids but also to pivot to do other things so they might be volunteers they might be photographers they might give they might be help these kids with a luggage drive they might help with um, you know aging out they might be a mentor I mean there's so many other ways to help so you know my whole thing is that when somebody comes in and they're interested I mean we need it's our job to capture them and that's what's so exciting about some of the things that you've that you have um, uh, 
um, helped us with the heart gallery with the education pieces. Everyone's in different stages and they may not, you know, they may just be looking, they may be one needs some education. They may need help with the home study. They may need, you know, so it's up to us to figure out how, you know, what is it that they need so we can help them with on this journey and this path to get them to a, you know, finalized adoption. Yeah. Cause you're right. It is a journey and a path because, and I think something that might benefit our listeners as well is that they're thinking, okay, so Marcy, I'm going on the website. I'm falling in love with these kids. And that happens so often. And then to your point, like only one family gets the children. And so if you saw a profile and fell in love, like you might have to adjust and be okay looking at a different child or sibling group. And so I know for me, I remember seeing even like the news segments where they highlight a child and you're like, Oh, I want to help. But then you don't realize when you kind of raise your hand like that, I want that to be me or I want to step in in this way that there's this huge process between you actually doing that. Right. Right. Exactly. And so that, you know, you need after you, even if you have your eye on a certain kid or sibling set, you have to go through your, your state's required training to foster and to adopt. So there's, there's some training in there. And as Matthew mentioned, the home study, uh, it's basically this long written document that your social worker would help craft based upon things you have to provide uh, responses uh, homework assignments. And it's more just being able to be aware of what you're getting into, right? Like how to be able to right. parent children that it, it, the term often is used that come from hard places. Right. So just, um, I want to encourage our listeners that, um, there is a process, but that process doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's just the steps to get there. And so I'm excited that you've given people tools to, to go explore that. Like right. I've kind of wondered this, I wonder what kinds of kids that means. And so I, I love that you're, you're bringing that literally to a screen in front of people um, in a very modern way. And so how then I'm kind of going back to what you mentioned at the very beginning, Matthew, about social media, are there places that if maybe someone wants to follow a heart gallery or share content, like, are there ways to be helpful on a social media platform? Because well, the yeah, information they, well, shared. All the heart galleries, for the most part, just go into Facebook or Instagram and search heart gallery, and you're going to see 20 or 30 of them shop, pop up. So the, all of you just need to follow those, and then all the children that are new or coming up, all the photographs of the kids that are available are going to be on those websites. And, you know, obviously, if you have one local, that's even better. You can even contact them directly. So you can go to the heartgalleryamerica.org website, and then all of them, the heart galleries are listed there. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, just going back, is that it, it, this is serious business adopting children because you're really saving their life. The prospects for children that don't get adopted and age out is very, very poor. And one of the things that just broke my heart is that um, 70 to 80 percent of the girls that are trafficked, um, sex or human trafficked in the country are out of the foster care and adoptive system. And that's just awful. So, you know, it's just, yeah, that, that just is so disturbing to me that, you know, here's these kids that are already, you know, there's no fault of their own that they're in foster care, adoptive care. Um, and here, you know, people are taking advantage of them even further. It's just, just terrible. It is terrible. And we can prevent that if we can exactly. get more information out and, and find more right. caring. Families. Well, there's no reason there's only 150,000 kids available for adoption. I mean, I know millions of parents that want to adopt, which it's what's in between and stopping that from happening. Yeah. That's what we have to solve. Yeah. And that's part of why I'm, I'm excited to have you on Matthew, because there there's this space 
where people think, but I didn't know that foster care even offered an adoption path. And, and while you can foster and might end up adopting those children, which happens, the part that Matthew's talking about and that I'm very passionate about and what I'm trying to bring awareness to about the forgotten adoption option is that there are kids waiting in foster care that are legally just waiting for a forever family. And so it, it's just so amazing that you're able to convey that message to people and, and point them to where they can go plug in and help and, and get the word out. And so Matthew, as we kind of wrap up here, I'd love to hear, you know, you, you all have been around, you said you've, your heart gallery was, what was it? 15 or 16 years old. Right. And so where do you see, you guys have kind of adapted with the virtual times, but what do you see happening in the next one to five years for the heart gallery of America? Well, I mean, we're, you know, it's um, generally what happens is it's a, you know, it's a kind of a heart gallery is kind of a is a grassroots and, you know, locally, these are, these are people that care like yourself and others around that want to help and they start a heart gallery. And, you know, like a lot of these nonprofits, not just heart gallery, but a lot of nonprofits, um, the founder or the champion generally gets burned out after five years so unless there's a succession plan um it, you know it's important to have a succession plan and so my thing you know we focus on that you know who's going to pick up the ball um because i mean we do have art galleries that are 15 plus years old and they've been successful because they've got a board and they put together people other recruited other people that care and that are excited about it and um, so that that whole thing is, is is important. So we're looking at succession plans. You know, how do we do this and go forward? The other thing is we're leveraging technology because we have the images and we get a lot of we get thousands and thousands and thousands of inquiries a year across the country. And um, so we're looking at how we can do a better job of managing applying modern technology to manage those contacts and then educate them and get them in a pipeline. And, you know, how do we, how do we keep them going and keep them going, getting, staying excited about adoption going forward? Um, so that those are, those are the challenges really that we see, because we see this as a solvable problem that we don't, you know, this is solvable. We can get I every agree. kid adopted. So there's no, nothing stopping us from doing that. So we're, you know, with with the Facebooks and the Googles of the world and, and all this technology and, and contact management and educational tools. And I mean, the background check is like a 15 second activity now. Why are we not reducing the time that these kids are in care? Why aren't we getting these kids adopted faster? What's slowing us down? What's keeping them from being you know, languishing in the system? So those are the things that we're trying to get done. And we, we believe it's actually going to have to come from the top which is really in washington dc with legislative um impact because that's where the funding comes from and the funding is what dictates the policies and the bureaucracy so but i love the vision and i, I fully agree with you that i think that's why both of us do the work that we do in this space because it's like yeah. there there is a solution to this and it doesn't need to take so long so i'm 100 percent with you on that and this has been such a treat i hope our listeners feel like they've learned something i feel like They've been surprised, and I f hope that they are feeling excited to go help in some way, whether that just means going on social and finding a heart gallery, whether it means going on the website and sharing the link with someone. I just, I thank you, Matthew, for the thank kids you, that you have. I mean, you've, you've reached so many children and, and helped prevent so much in their life because they have a family. And 
I, I know um, we both can share that we may never see and know who all those kids are, Matthew, but I am so proud of you. And um, I think you. all of our listeners just so appreciate the work that you're doing. So thank you for everything. As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 115,000 adoptable children in the United States. By leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, and talking about this podcast, you can help children and sibling groups find their forever family. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling group through the foster care system, please visit my website, ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. There you will find how you can get started and even order a copy of my book for adults, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which will guide you through the entire process. You can also find my book for children of all ages, Are You a Forever Family? My books are available in paperback, audio, and ebook formats, and they might even be available at your local library. I welcome you to reach out to me with questions, comments, and your own adoption story. I would love to hear from you if you're signing up for licensing classes or to hear where you are in the foster care adoption process. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for Marcy Bursack. I really appreciate you tuning in, caring, and sharing because every child deserves a family.